0: I bid you welcome. God of
1: me. We all go a little mad sometimes. We accept no one of us. We accept no one of us. What's your favorite scary movie? Wolfman's has <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Home is Where the Horror Is, a podcast dedicated to our love of horror. I'm your host, Brian.
0: And I'm Monica.
1: And uh yeah, we're out of Valentine's Day, but we did decide to stick with a theme. So, what is it for the rest of the movies of this month?
0: Uh, horror, love, like horror.
1: Love stories. Love stories, yeah. Uh, basically, any love story with a horror twist to it is an easy way to put it. Yeah. Um, There's lots of movies we could have chosen. Chosen. I don't know why I can't think right now. Um, But I decided to go old school, as I probably will a lot of times with Monica, because she hasn't seen so many of these. And uh, it's a pretty well-known one, but I decided to go with Bride of Frankenstein. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You said before this. You don't know if you've ever seen any of these old Frankenstein movies, right?
0: The only one that I've seen was... Don't
1: say it if it's what you're going to say when we watch, because yeah. that came out in, like, the 80s.
0: Okay. Well, still black and white, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> On purpose, because okay. it was, like, paying homage. But but go ahead. Say what it was.
0: What was it? Son of... Or...
1: Young Frankenstein Frank- with Gene Wilder. Yeah. 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 The Willy Wonka guy. Yeah. 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 That was the 80s. Okay. So,
0: whatever. <laughs> but I
1: like... It was black and white. I mean, you also saw Human Centipede 2 in black and white.
0: Was that in black and white? The
1: whole movie is black and white. Is it? The entire movie is black and white. Are you sure? I'm positive. I don't think so. I will bet you having to watch Blood Diner five times in a row. Oh,
0: God, no. (laughs) It's not worth it.
1: And I'll watch Ghost Ship five times in a row (laughs) if I'm wrong. How about that? (laughs) But, yeah, um, Monica is a... Big, uh, you don't like black and white films. I don't
0: know. It's just, I, I think it's just like the older, like it just doesn't appeal to me.
1: More your generation. Shut up. <laughs> uh, but no, like, what is it about? I can. You and I, we've settled the thing about you not liking subtitles. Cause yeah. Because you're you can't pay attention. The, like, is there something that actually distracts you about the black and white? Like, I
0: don't. Know, I just kind of associate it with like older movies, just not as interesting.
1: Hmm.
0: I don't know. Like it's just, I don't know. Just the cinematography isn't
1: It makes sense. I mean, yes, they are generally older, but yeah. I like
0: that I like that one where I think that was in black and white, the one where they were making the movie about the vampires, but he was a real vampire. No,
1: that was in full color. Are you sure? It was Shadow of the Vampire oh, okay. with William Defoe as Asperato. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I decided to go Bride of Frankenstein which um, it was released in April of 1935. The director was James Whale, who also did the original Frankenstein, The Old Dark House, and The Invisible Man. Um, I know you've never seen The Old Dark House. You've never seen Invisible Man either, have you? No, they're both great. We'll get to them. It was produced by Carl Lamel Jr., and his father actually founded Universal Studios. Hmm. So he just kind of kept on that legacy and he was tied to almost all of the universal horror movies like with dracula frankenstein all like he was almost always a producer on all of them yeah um and he was kind of known for regardless of the budget he would like go all in even if they weren't big money makers Mm -hmm. so the film was written by william hurlbutt and it stars boris karloff as the monster Uh, Colin Clive as Henry Frankenstein Valerie Hobson as Elizabeth Frankenstein Ernest Thessinger as Dr. Pretorius and Elsa Lancaster who played the dual role of Mary Shelley and the monster's mate she actually didn't have a official billing they did a similar thing when Karloff played the monster in the original Frankenstein they just said Karloff as question mark yeah um so they did they kind of carried that through with her the general synopsis and anyone that's even a remote horror fan probably knows this is a sequel to frankenstein and it takes place immediately after the events of that first one so it's right after the windmill scene all the towns folks are there the only twist they did in the original frankenstein movie that was supposed to be done and frankenstein himself was supposed to have died But in this one, he, like, survived the fall. um, And it basically kind of just gives you the tale of Frankenstein's monster. Surviving that fire, going on, getting into a lot more trouble, to eventually meeting up with Dr. Pretorius, who is trying to figure out Frankenstein's ability to recreate life. He comes across Frankenstein's monster, and he wants a bride. Mm -hmm. Uh, A little interesting thing is this ties a lot more closely with mary shelley's um, original novel so a lot of the concepts like frankenstein being able to talk some of the specific scenes are pulled directly from it so Hmm. if you ever read her novel like movies one and two really capture a good amount of what it is so before we get into what we liked and didn't like why don't you give us a rundown of the postmortem?
0: So, there are six kills.
1: So, I double-checked on that. Technically, there's ten. Huh. So, I think a lot of moments when we think he's just swatting people away, Yeah. that's their way of saying he killed oh, them.
0: Oh, he killed them. So, yeah, yeah officially 10. I only saw officially six people. Yeah, unless we, the, unless we, they we counted confirmed. the people like in the flashback. I didn't count people in the flashback.
1: I think, no, I think literally you figure they had the two at the beginning. They had... Um, the woman they had uh they duty crushed with the rock but then i think when he rampages out and just starts hitting people
0: yeah
1: i think they're suggesting that he might have killed them too
0: gotcha um 17 screams there's a lot of screams in there three falls and we counted the amount of times they said frankenstein and it was seven
1: yeah but i'm gonna say we missed a couple because I asked you after the first, like, ten minutes, you're like, oh, yeah, I got to do that. <laughs> Babe, were you telling me there was no no boobs? Mm-mm. No. No wang-dangs? No, unfortunately. <laughs> do you want to see Carl off Wang?
0: No, I don't,
1: but... Babe, what if it's an impressive piece?
0: Mm-mm. <laughs> it's no Hodor.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, what if it is Hodor? Oh, God. Um, all right, so I'm really interested in what you thought. So what did you like about the movie not much <laughs> wow okay
0: um just,
1: just fucking doing it like that though.
0: yeah I, I just wasn't a fan um it was all right like the lady the old lady was kind of funny the, the, cra- screaming. the crazy old lady yep. just screams all the time she literally looks like she just came off k and a. Like, yeah she's and that's that
1: kensington which a. is the bad section of philly for yeah. those of you who, who aren't local
0: yeah she just she just looks like a kind of like crackhead a little bit mm-hmm. but um, her screaming all the time and just yeah I mean that was
1: kind of funny okay um, so for me one of the things and I love this about most universal films and I'll say this every time probably is the set designs mm-hmm. like it captures that horror feel so well and you know it ties into my fun fact but everything that you see is based on a set it's not a real uh, location okay. So they really put a lot of work okay. into those, so it looks great. I
0: but I feel like that's where like the black and white like I lose a lot of stuff, like especially with things like that, like sets, and I just I don't know.
1: Anything else you liked? Or was was that literally that, all you're gonna say you was, liked? I
0: actually didn't put anything down initially. Well, so Okay.
1: Um, I loved uh, the the Doctor Pretorius character. He's such a good like. From the way he's introduced the first time you see him, like, he's kind of in the shadow, comes forward. He's so, like, ominous. Mm-hmm. And, like, his delivery, all the actors at that time still had that very theatrical. Yeah. He's like the Bride of Frankenstein. Like, you yeah. know, like, how he just presents everything. Um, he's just an interesting character altogether. Uh, I also really liked, um, excuse me, the... Uh, Kind of the, how they try to humanize the monster. Yeah. Because that's really ahead of the time for a movie back then. Monsters were always work of the devil, this or that, just evil. Like, there wasn't very, very many, like, good characteristics. And if you think nowadays, that's the most common trope. Like, your sexy vampire that has a heart. Yeah. But, like, you know, he's still a monster. This thing was just the most misunderstood like all he wanted was a friend. Yeah. And when he could talk it was almost like a child. Like it, it, yeah. you felt bad for him the whole time and like you're like damn, this poor thing. Yeah. And he like then he finally wanted a he found his friend in a corpse that got reanimated and even yeah. she didn't want him. It was yeah. like damn.
0: Oh well, he she he had the blind guy like that was That
1: was his only friend. His friend. You yeah. And, like and, he
0: kind of taught him a lot of things. And then
1: it got taken away. You mm-hmm. know, like that's, I, I feel like that really sold me on, on an, like I've never felt that bad for a monster. Yeah. You know, and he's not real, if you think about it, he's not really a monster. Like he's not meaning to do anything bad. But I don't know. I, uh, I really loved his performance, um, in general about doing that. Uh, the only other thing I'll say that I really enjoyed, it's actually kind of goes against what you were just saying. I loved how everyone kept telling that old annoying ass bitch to shut up or yeah. get out of here or whatever. Like they all were just as annoyed as I was with her. <laughs> so, all right, then what did you not like since you had so little that you did like,
0: um, like I said, it was just, it just was it's what it was. And you know, the one thing was that you literally waited the whole movie for the bride to show up, and then two seconds, and that's it.
1: It's a very short appearance. Yeah. Um, yeah, the payoff isn't good. So, first thing I said that I hate is actually that screaming bitch. Yeah. I, I can do without her. I know you laughed about it. Um, after the first, like, 20 or 30 minutes, I love the setup, like, the monster's on the loose, he's doing this and that. Once he, like, kind of goes and meets the blind guy, like, there's this really long period of it slows down a lot. Like, when Pretorius is talking to mm-hmm. Frankenstein, even up to getting the corpse and, like you said, working on her, and you're expecting this giant climax. Mm-hmm. And the trademark of almost every Universal movie when you have more than one monster is there's is a castle that blows up or gets destroyed. Yeah. And I, as we go through them, you'll see. there. I could almost... You can almost shot for shot show the same thing. Like the monsters are fighting in the castle, something happens, it blows up or it gets destroyed. Yeah. But that payoff was very, very weak.
0: Yeah. And like I like like you were saying, like when we were talking about, like, she's not in any other like movie, so it's like that's not what I thought like The Bride yeah. of Frankenstein was all about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't get the obsession with her.
0: Mm-hmm. She, I mean, I think like the like the look of her was really. She cool. looks really
1: cool, but you know, like people make her out like she and she is always tied to being like one of the Universal monsters. But, but she, like, she
0: doesn't even say anything. She doesn't do anything. She just stands there and then. And this backs is up. That's another
1: it. fun fact that I'll just throw in there now. She's you know obviously got the shortest screen time of any quote unquote Universal monster and the only one that never killed anybody. Yeah. So um yeah it, it, it's interesting what scenes really stood out to you though
0: um like the beginning when the lady comes screaming to the house that the monster's alive and the guy is like just shut
1: up shut up yeah <laughs> just shut up um yeah see i even was before then. like i love because back then so many movies you didn't have any form of rewatching a movie so they always give you that nice little recap mm-hmm. like leading you into the movie and all, a lot of these universals because you figure there these are years between people might not remember da, 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 tv wasn't even like mm-hmm. a thing there so um i like that the monster reveal like you don't have to wait long and he's in the water and he kind of like skulks out like, yeah i like that scene because it just right away sets a different tone than the original frankenstein which it took, like, almost 40 minutes to get to him. Yeah. You know? What other scenes?
0: Um, This is just so strange. Like, I had to put it down. When Dr. Petorius, like, takes him back to his place. And he has these little people in jars. The like, jars. Like, it's like, one I, of them. How? I, how did they get to, like, be little people? I don't understand.
1: So, that's one of those scenes in this film that everyone, I think, likes. Or it sticks with your memory. But you don't. It, really it understand seemed kind
0: of pointless
1: i think like a lot of things back then number one you got to give credit the special effects for that time yeah like they pull it off pretty well and and that's what it is i think it's a showcase of like just showing that they were doing something unique that mm-hmm. people couldn't believe because number one you figure film was still in its infancy it was only maybe been since the 1890s at that mm-hmm. point and uh to show something like that was like It was just a feat to show. I don't think there was so much a purpose, but it it is just a funny little like a little king running towards the queen. Uh, Yeah, I had that on mine as well. Um, I did like the full like villagers going after him scene, and like he, you know, he throws the rock, Mm -hmm. and then like they like tie him up, and they almost like make it out like he's Jesus, like he's on on the stick and like even in that moment you feel so bad for him because he accidentally kills this woman who's just trying to keep quiet from mm-hmm. like screaming and you know it's just it's a very once again it's a sad moment and it's where you're like
0: he's just very misunderstood
1: yeah that's essentially it
0: yeah what about you um when he meets the blind man so you know he he comes to his little house and uh, he's drawn in by the music that the blind man's playing and you know
1: what song's playing no ave maria
0: i wasn't i really wasn't paying attention you don't usually i don't yeah um and you know the blind man's like come in friends like i i like i kind of feel bad if you feel bad for both of them because he's like you know i I haven't had anyone here and then he was like oh i prayed for someone and god sent me you and you know Uh i'm so thankful for you and
1: it really was. It's a very touching, and that that's you know potentially one of my favorite scenes in the movies because, like you said, it, even Frankenstein when the blind man first touches him, he, yeah. like he's like not knowing, and he's finally like able to have trust. Yeah, and you see him smile for the first like. Yeah, it is a very heartwarming scene, which of course leads to sadness.
0: Yeah,
1: but it's uh, you know,
0: it's it, like Frankenstein and Phoebe and
1: okay, okay. <laughs> um, my next scene is you know now we're pretty much towards the end so when they actually i always love the the lab settings of when they create the monsters mm-hmm. and they create the bride and it's both good and bad once again because we have the ability to watch them like back to back if you will there's so much as directly they have for whatever reason. Apparently the only things that can be like lab assistants were hunchbacks back in the yeah. day. They just kind of got another one. And, uh, you know, the, it's alive. It's a al- lot. Yeah. Like it seems redundant to us, but remember like they were trying to like set that trademark. Yeah. Still. It's a great, like, I love all the little like electrodes mm-hmm. going off. Um, yeah, I just, I always love that creation scene. Yeah.
0: Yeah and the only last thing that i had which basically we kind of talked about the bride reveal um like i said it was cool like the way like her dress and her hair and everything like that like i thought that was pretty good and um she looked really good but then yeah it was just very short and
1: well it is a very short it's i mean it's an hour and 17 minutes it's a very short movie like a lot of those back in the day um Another fun fact I'll throw out, it was meant to be tw- two hours, hmm. but it got chopped down because back then they always did that. Uh, my final scene is that ending when he says, like, we belong dead. Yeah. And he even, like, he found, and I look at it, like, he found the grace through that blind man mm-hmm. to forgive. Like, at first he's all about trying to get revenge on Frankenstein himself because, he's created them but like he's kind of like no you live like with your yeah like live the life that he couldn't do yeah so he be- get basically became a savior too at the end so you know and then he destroys the castle really cool looking thing um yeah and then it just abruptly
0: it just ends. <laughs> you just
1: looked at me you're like yeah i
0: was like that's it
1: that's it yeah it was yeah that, unfortunately that that was it um You know, this is one of those movies I always look back on. I get so obsessed with loving the beginning, but maybe it's because we have kids and stuff. Like The number of times I've started that movie but haven't refinished it, and then sitting here and being more analytical and finishing it, I'm kind of like, yeah, that that middle slowdown and that lack of payoff, it does hurt it. But before we get to our grades, I'll give you a couple more little interesting fun facts. Um Shortly before filming began, Colin Clive, who plays Frankenstein, actually broke a leg on a horse riding accident. Hmm. So that's why in a movie, a lot of times you see him sitting. Yeah. So that's just kind of why he wasn't meant to be doing that. Um, I already mentioned that Boris Karloff really objected to uh, the monster being like speaking, but he wasn't able to speak as much because of the way his makeup was Hmm. and like the sunken cheeks. So that's why he has kind of a like that, like mm-hmm. all that stuff. But that's also why um, in this sequel there's a fuller face look because they kind of had to bolster it. Yeah. In the first movie, he's very sunken in the face. This one, he's a little fuller, so gotcha. he could talk so and ruin talk. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the actress Elsa, who played the bride, said that. Uh, now take a guess. You know how she's like hissed, and like the yeah. spitting and stuff. Uh, what do you think inspired her? A cat. Swans. She's, really? She said basically uh, in Regent's Park, London. She just said they're really nasty little creatures that like to like kind of hiss and like. Huh. So that's what inspired that little performance.
0: Never seen a swan hiss before. Oh, they're little. They're
1: little shitheads. They're, they're little bitches mm-hmm. when you get close to them um boris karloff who, who who is a tall guy and he was already skinny apparently sweated off 20 pounds because of the makeup yeah. and all the prosthetics and everything for filming so yeah he was really he was really run down with this yeah and because of the way that so, there's so many um stories about those old-time actors and when they have all this makeup when he's in the windmill in that like water scene and, and he was climbing the steps he actually uh, fell and um, dislocated a hip. Ooh. <laughs> so all they did, they strapped it into place, and then he just kept doing the scenes. Yeah. Like with a dislocated hip.
0: I could just pop it back in place.
1: I know, but I'm saying like that's pretty, you know, for an actor. Yeah. You know, you gotta consider an actor today. He's like, oh, I stubbed my toe. Ah. Um, Unless you're Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I already mentioned the whole film was shot in studio, and guess what the budget was? This is so the 30s? it's 1935.
0: So I imagine at the time the first one did really good, yeah. Okay, um, I'm gonna say $750,000,
1: 400000 mm-hmm. and that was considered. Like, a big budget A big for one, yeah. Um, and it was shot in 46 days. Huh. So, pretty short. Um, Elsa, who played the bride, so she's 5'4", but she had to wear stilts to make herself that 7 feet tall. <laughs> so, not only that, but uh, all the bandages were so tight on her during, like, some of those other scenes. Yeah. That she was unable to move and very claustrophobic and had like panic attacks multiple times, and she had to keep being fed like through a straw like to calm her down. So, <laughs> yeah, whole whole thing. Um, what do you think held her hairdo up in place? Aquanet horse hair cage. A horse hair cage.
0: I don't know what don't the know hell what that, that is. is. A
1: wired horse hair cage. Oh, I imagine it's kind of like think of like a tomato cage or like a chicken cage.
0: Uh, yeah. okay. Hold on. We're going to look this up.
1: So, while you're doing that, um, you know the oldest debate of Frankenstein? Maybe you don't know, but even in a, in the Monster Squad, they talked about, you know, the monster is the monster, right? Yeah. But everyone makes the mistake of calling him Frankenstein. Frankenstein, yeah. So... Because of this movie, especially, they said many should argue that he should be called the, mo- the monster and not Frankenstein. However, because of the title of this movie, they almost solidify, like, you're just going to call him Frankenstein because it's the Bride, it's bride of, of Frankenstein.
0: Frankenstein. Yeah, so, should be the Bride of Frankenstein's you know, monster. Or
1: So even the creators kind of said, it's fine, just call him Frankenstein, Frankenstein. at this point. Um, I mentioned... So, the body count was at 10. The original body count was meant to be 21. Hmm. But they cut it because it would be too graphic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially back then. Uh, The only other interesting thing was that uh, the Blind Hermit, we said we both love, that is a direct scene from the novel itself. And the only introduced character that was not in the novel is Doctor Pretorius, and what he's actually supposed to represent is the monster's personality in the book. Because mm-hmm. in the book, the monster is actually much more evil. He's more like Pretorius, where yeah. um, he he's looking for revenge and he's more cold blooded and a murderer. So they decided to it was a conscious decision that they wanted the monster to remain as innocent as possible. Mm-hmm. So they wanted this other like Pretorius to be the alter ego because. You remember watching, um, what was that, Penny Dreadful? hmm That gave you... Actually, like, they followed Frankenstein's monster. Like, remember the whole thing? Like, he went to the Arctic and all this yeah. shit? That follows the book much closely. And even, like, him, like, kind of pressuring Frankenstein and threatening his wife and all this. Like, that's what Frankenstein's monster really is yeah. like. But this movie gave him this different twist, which is what's unique to the character yeah. itself. Yeah. So. Hmm. All right, moment of truth. I can only imagine. What are you scoring this?
0: I might get like a C.
1: Okay. I understand. I mean, I get it. It's a slower movie. You don't like older black and white films. So for me, I'm going B+. I always, I like it. I can't give it the A's I want to give it. But um, I find value in it for pretty much all the reasons I said. Mm -hmm. It's still a classic to me. Um, It'll be curious what you think of the other horror black and white movies now. Knowing you have this.
0: I mean, well, we watched uh, Nosferatu.
1: We've watched a lot. We've watched Dracula. We've watched yeah. some stuff, but I know you don't remember them. And yeah. It is, I yeah. think it's safe to say, it is different. Even movies you know, they it's different when you're a little more analytical. Yeah. So, would you recommend it? Not really, no. Well, I would. And, you know, man's opinion is better than woman's. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Babe. We belong dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, what are you going to do for your
1: myth this week? So, what do you think of Frankenstein? When you think of Frankenstein's monster, like what, what do you classify him as? Well, it
0: would be like a reanimated corpse. Yeah, so... so like zombie like A zombie,
1: like, it's tough. Because on one hand, he's not really even a, any kind of zombie you would think of... He does have a brain that's like you know, he is more thoughtful or whatever. Um, but can you think of any mythological creatures that are cre- that were created and were considered big, monstrous hulking things in history? And this is a pretty, pretty well known one. Hmm. It's arguably one of the most well known. I, I can't get too specific, because then I'll give it away. But think Europe. Think Middle Ages. So if you think of a hulking thing that's created, does anything come to mind?
0: All I can think of is I'm the juggernaut, be it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not a terrible guess, because it's <laughs> kind of long there. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the golem.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So... It's very widely believed that Mary Shelley. She had a few influences, but the the tradition of the golem, is one of the biggest influences for Frankenstein's oh, monster. Okay. So the idea, um, for those of you who don't know, very popular in Jewish folklore mm-hmm. specifically, the golem is an animated creature that is made entirely from inanimate matter, most commonly clay or yeah. mud. Yeah. So the word um, it kind of means it, it stems from the Bible, actually, from Psalms one thirty nine sixteen, and it, it it means like amorphous, unformed material, or basically raw material. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to represent the idea of um, an unfinished human. Mm-hmm. So,
0: well, because Adam was made from dirt and
1: clay. Yeah, like exactly. That. Yeah. So that's like. The golem is is this now you know what do you know uh, outside of that do you know anything else really about the golem
0: um well it's supposed to be like uh you can manifest a golem to like basically do your bidding yes um and yeah like whoever whoever created him like he is like vengeful and can protects be. protects them. So yeah, and things like that. The
1: most interesting thing is the idea of the golem is simple, but the number of adaptations, alterations. There's no one common other than it's an inanimate object mm-hmm. that somehow someone creates or controls for one purpose or another. It can literally be like it, it's supposed to be more or less. I think a symbolism of so many things. It could be a victim. It could be a villain doesn't have to be anything jewish created it could be non-jewish could be a man could be a woman Mm -hmm. once again very very limitless but uh you know they mention the word in the bible as i already mentioned but the most common uh places where you would see this being used the oldest stories go back to early judaism and in the talmud uh, Adam was initially created as a golem from dust and was kneaded into a shapeless husk. And like Adam, all golems are created from mud mm-hmm. um, by those close to divinity. With, um, but no other anthropogenic golem is fully human. So, almost all golems, and I, they've they've done some adaptations where it's different. They're not supposed to be able to speak. Because the way you yeah. animate a golem yeah. is, you either write a holy word mm-hmm. or their name or your order, put it in a scroll, put it in their mouth, yeah. or you write it on their forehead. Yeah. So that's one of the two ways. But in either case, you're generally not—they're not, not going to be speaking. Um, the popularity of the golem really started gaining a lot of traction during the Middle Ages, um, and passages from the Sefer. Yetzirai, um were studied um, as a means to create a golem so they mm-hmm. thought they could really do these right back thing, then yeah. so there were a lot of writings on jewish mysticism that supported this belief to our knowledge they were never actually fully created but they damn sure tried
0: i mean we got some clay in the other room
1: <laughs> we do we do um you know and then there's even word of this kind of creature spread out not just from jewish folklore but um it was very popular in polish tales and in the brothers Grimm tales there were some <laughs> of them yeah. so the absolute absolute height and the most famous golem of all time comes from the judah lo ben Bazali, uh which is a late 16th century rabbi in prague and at that time this was One of the worst persecutions before, obviously, Hitler and stuff, like, of of Jews in Europe. Mm -hmm. So, specifically Prague. I mean, these sections were, they they turned any, like, Jewish community into ghettos. Way worse. They were just being persecuted. So, um, in these ghettos, they came up with this idea of, we're going to create this golem to protect us okay. and exact revenge on us. So the story of this particular rabbi kind of became a hero. Now, there isn't a lot known about why this particular rabbi came to such prominence. We know they were able to kind of um, fight back and gain a little independence. Some of them like almost like, almost like a legend attributed to the golem. But, once again, there's no true proof of this. Yeah. But, if you've ever seen a movie, if you've seen books, everything written, they usually go with this story. This is the most infamous of them all. So, you know, what's interesting is the easiest way to deal with a is to take the scroll out of his mm-hmm. mouth or remove the words. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, it is a very, it's a simple story. Um <sighs> There's way, way too many things to name that have been influenced. I mean, monsters, whatever. But Frankenstein's monster many times tends to be credited as a adaptation of that idea. Mm-hmm. Something being made out of inanimate, you know, yeah. in this case, his corpse. And if you think about it, in the first movie especially, he doesn't talk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah.
0: Hmm interesting
1: did you know any of that about the golem
0: uh well i knew like how the golem was made and everything like that and how to destroy it just from you know different shows and stuff like that that we've seen
1: yeah i mean he's like i said the more you know you would probably have known they did have some things about golems in the x-files even
0: supernatural Uh, grim
1: like but what's interesting Is that there is a Gollum Museum in the Jewish quarter of Prague to this day. Hmm. So they celebrate it still as like that in Jewish lore, that is like the tip top of monsters and mythological creatures. So like I said, I just, I find it kind of interesting. um, As a, uh, this is one of the few monsters we've seen created that hasn't been to scare children or for people acting immoral. It was meant to be a protector of people. Yeah. So that's what I like. It's a different take on it.
0: Yeah, interesting. So where are we going to go for our haunted or spooky place this week?
1: This should be a very obvious one. But where does uh, the movie Frankenstein take place? And Bride of Frankenstein.
0: So like... Romania, or like somewhere...
1: Germany? Germany, yeah.
0: yeah. so Somewhere over there.
1: I thought, you know what, let's go to Germany. And to my surprise, I don't know how I didn't know this, why not covered one of the most talked about and haunted castles in all of Germany, which just so happens to be called the Frankenstein Castle.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did tag you owned that before. Yeah.
1: So... This is located in Odenwald, um, which overlooks the Darmstadt in Germany. Mm -hmm. It's uh, one of their largest castles that still stands. It's obviously partially in ruins, but um, it is generally considered the inspiration for Mary Shelley. Now, she Mm -hmm. had visited this um, years before she wrote the novel, but there's a lot of stories connected to this and there's not just one haunt well there's multiple hauntings and it's still regarded as one of the most haunted places mm. but what i found interesting is that there are a lot of associated supernatural stories with the,
0: yeah.
1: the castle so first i want to ask take it take a very big guess what frankenstein what does that word mean
0: I have not a clue. So,
1: it, it consists of two words. So,
0: Franks, Frank,
1: hot dogs. Really? That's where your mind goes.
0: Hot dogs and beer. Uh, Franks and steins.
1: So, Franks are, are Money, you know the no the Germanic tribe that uh, you know like they were the the German, the the Germanic tribes actually what became France, Normandy, like all those things. Um, And stein is a German word for... Beer? Stone. (laughs) So the meaning of Frankenstein is supposed to be stone of the Franks. Okay. And it was pretty common for Frankenstein to be a, a, a name for castles, especially in that particular region. Gotcha. But... There was an actual family, so before 1250, uh, Lord Conrad II writes of Bruenberg built Frankenstein Castle, and therefore named himself von Unzu Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. So he changed his name, but he built the castle, called it Frankenstein. Um, it was basically opened up in 1292 the castle was opened up to the counts of Katz... I'm going to really butcher his name, but it's Katzen-Ellenbogen. And they formed an alliance with it, which was a neighboring German mm-hmm. kind of tribe-era territory. So in 1363, the castle was split into two parts and owned by two separate families. Both head, They were like head knights and provinces um, of this so eventually at the beginning of the 15th century the castle was enlarged and modernized and the frankenstein knights became the independent um became independent of the counts of that katzenbogen once again so they kind of split off from them so there's a little bit of bad blood there and there so both were strong opponent opponents of this reformation and following a lot of territorial conflicts um there was a lot of disputes disputes about it, and there was a lot at the time. That's when the adaptation and adherence to Roman Catholic faith started becoming like more prevalent in Germany. So the family head, Lord John I, decided to sell the lordship to the Landgraves of hess dart Darmstadt in 1662. So uh pretty much for a long time after that the castle was just used as a refuge and a hospital Mm -hmm. um for all the various wars that were going on and it fell into ruins in the 18th century and the two towers that are very distinctive today are actually not accurate for where they were but it was a restoration that came in the mid 16th Mm -hmm. 19th century i should say Um, one of the more famous things that have happened was that on halloween night in 1952 john keel sent three american force network reporters to the castle to explore it for a live radio broadcast and the reporters were told that a local legend claimed frankenstein's monster would return to the castle that night so reporter carl nelson investigated the castle's crypt where neil had set up a statue in the middle of the crypt and rigged it to move and to topple hmm. as a prank. Terrifying Nelson. Reportedly, it frightened like a ton of radio listeners yeah. that bombarded the station with calls. And military police were dispatched to the castle because of this prank. <laughs> so leave it to Americans and pull some shit. Yeah. So that's the general, really high-level history of the castle itself. But what makes it more notable are some of these stories and some of the legends and myths. So, in 1673, Johann Conrad Dippel was born in the castle, where he performed and engaged as a professional alchemist. And you know what? Okay, they, okay yeah. so you know what they do. Um, it's highly suggested. Now, it's been debate, debated a few times, but it's highly suggested that Dippel was what influenced Mary Shelley's idea for Frankenstein, along with the castle itself. Um, because she was able to, like, take some journalings and heard stories of Dippel, um, and his life. So he created an animal oil known as Dipper's Oil, which was supposed to be the equivalent of the elixir of life. Hmm. Now, what it actually ended up being was he would, like, what's the word I'm looking for? He would basically boil down a whole bunch of different animal bones mm-hmm. almost to it became, like, a tar consistency. Okay. And there's a lot of medical terms that I'm not even going to try to use of what else was in this elixir. Mm. Um, eventually, it like just got used as more or less like an animal and bug repellent. Yeah. But um, it was actually used during some of the wars, like World War One and Two, to taint wells because it wouldn't kill someone. So it didn't go against the Geneva Conventions mm-hmm. thing. Like, it wasn't so dangerous, but it, it's still like a... You know, black, tar, viscous yeah. substance. So there was also rumors, though, he not only was an alchemist, but that he ha- um, did a lot of practice of anatomy on dead corpses mm. and would be practicing on them and was trying to do activities. Now, it's debated whether he actually tried to bring some of them to life, but there is almost a direct story that he he did hook up a lightning rod to a corpse, to use lightning to try to bring it back to life. Huh. So, as you can see, is this truly inspiring Mary Shelley's, or did they embellish some of his stories? Yeah. It's debated. Some of them say they have written record of this guy claiming these things. Other them think it was embellished after the fact, especially after yeah. Mary Shelley's. But regardless... We knew Mary Shelley was there. Mm -hmm. She did have to keep journals of the place and how it made her feel. So, one way or another, that place did kind of inspire her. Yeah. So, the next story was about um, the Fountain of Youth, which is apparently hidden behind the herb garden of the castle. And the legend is that in the first full moon night after Walpurgis Night, which... Tell you what that is in one second. It's uh it's an abbreviation of St. Walpurgis night, which is the eve of the Christian feast of Saint Walpurgis, an 8th century abbess in Francia, and is celebrated on the night of April 30th and the day of May 1st. Um all the old women from nearby villages have to undergo test of courage, and the one who succeeds become rejuvenated to the age he had been on the night of her wedding. Some apparently still even think about practicing this today. Hmm. So, babe, if you want to go over there and uh, (laughs) get back to the age we got married, have fun. (laughs) Um, Then there was a magnetic phenomenon near the castle. Uh, So in a remote part of the forest right behind the castle, there's a spot where compasses don't work due to a specific magnetic stones and they f- mm-hmm. have a odd formation. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, local like nature enthusiasts and witchcraft pr- um, practitioners are said to perform rituals on these. Cause they believe these are sacred because they're formed in a way that doesn't seem like they were naturally naturally occurring. Yeah. Like someone must've put them there. um, so this is a very popular during that Walpurgis night or summer solstice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it, basically anyone can go there, but they just say, please don't disturb any rituals that are going on. Because this is still a very common practice for yeah. people in that area. And then there are a... Uh, remember when we went to those ringing rocks? Uh-huh. So there is a sea of rocks like area there too. Which once again if you think about it in the middle of the forest it just like for that for people of that area they felt like it was something magical yeah about all that um <clears throat> and they believed that with all this magical potency with these magnetic rocks it was a uh, signal to like supernatural or after or um afterlife activity yeah or, or like strange creatures would be seen around that area but um What gave this castle some of its most prominence is Ghost Hunters International, who did their episode in 2008. And uh, this is one of the few episodes they had where, when they were in the chapel, they set up all their little listening Mm -hmm. devices. And you can definitely hear a sound that is pronouncing an old German word that says Arbo is here. Mm -hmm. And this is interpreted as Arbogast who was the name of one of those prominent knights I mentioned on yeah. the castle. And then um, a second sound bite is pretty clearly heard, which means come here. Yeah. So a lot of people are still convinced you can constantly hear those kind of things, but it's spoken in the old German of, like, the Middle Ages. Yeah. So they're like, it's kind of weird, like, you're hearing these things now. You know, could it be someone being pranked? Maybe? Yeah. But it's odd that they'd be using the old German and yeah. keeping it that legit. So it's still... Uh,
0: We're a scary German guy when you need him.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's not officially a tourist attraction, although they do allow tourists to go. Yeah. It's still kind of used as like a, a hiking sports activity and like mountain biking lodge almost. Um, and for a really long time, they always had Halloween festivals there. Oh, that would be but, so cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those situations, and weddings take place there. Yeah, right there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so you could we could have got married there, babe. <sighs> uh, do we renew our vows? I think we do at the magnetic stones. Yeah. Um, Just slaughter a goat. They have a very popular restaurant there, which is they do special events called horror dinner nights. Mm. So they they're all for it. They basically make it uh, a whole gimmick. Yeah. But like I said, there's been lots and lots of reports and there's lots of stories surrounding it. But how could I not go with this since it was the inspiration in one way or another for Mary Shelley to write about yeah. Frankenstein? So did you said you did know about this? Yeah. I don't remember you tagging me. in. I,
0: yeah, I tagged you on Facebook.
1: When you tagged me, is this one of those things you just tagged me or did you actually look, look it up?
0: No, I looked. I didn't look up like the whole history of it, but I did see like the castle.
1: Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So, what'd you think?
0: That's pretty interesting.
1: If we, when we go to Germany, you know, we're hitting. This oh place yeah, 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 yeah. So that concludes my very well. I can't say it's all German, but my half German, yeah. half Jewish uh, <laughs> episode. <laughs> so. Next week, we'll round out February with a love story. So I hope you got a good one up your sleeve. I
0: do. And, uh, well, it's it's a very, very well-known one. And it's my myth and my spooky place. You'll never guess where it is based on the movie that we're going to watch.
1: Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. So with that, we want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening. Um, If you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe. We're available on all social media apps going to be coming soon to youtube as well but in the meantime please make sure subscribe if you can give us five stars even if you want to bash us in the ratings we will always comment and talk back we appreciate all the support and with that we want to say have a good night until next
0: time